right, everybody, welcome to episode number 91 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Or, in this case, should I say, my co-pilot, Chris. Roger, Roger. (laughs) Roger, Roger, indeed, little buddy. Because uh, this ties in perfectly to what we're going to be talking about tonight. But you know there's nothing I love more than an aviation mystery. I say, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed you do, good sir. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And this is one that is, uh, it's clouded in uh, quite a bit of mystery and uh, speculation as well. It seems that the topic of tonight's episode has raised quite a few red flags when attempting to connect the dots as to how or even if any of this (laughs) that we're going to be discussing was even remotely possible. Chris, tonight we are going to be discussing the mystery of Santiago Flight 513. Now, you may say, what's so mysterious about Flight 513? Well, allow us to tell you. It seems that uh, there was a flight that took off on September 4th of 1954 in West Germany. And this flight was scheduled to land in Brazil 18 hours later. The problem here is that air traffic control lost all communications with the flight as soon as it ventured out over the Atlantic Ocean. And subsequent searches left us with more questions than answers. That was until October 12th of 1989. Chris, that is when Santiago Flight 513, which took off in West Germany in 1954, decided to reemerge out of thin air, I might add, and land at its rightful destination, albeit 35 years later. Now, Chris, <laughs> as I often say, we've got to go backwards to go forward here, bud. But before we get into all the nuts and bolts of this episode, have you ever heard of such a story in your life? No, I can't say that I have it. It sounds impossible. Yes, indeed. A, a tad bit impossible. Or is it? Captain Chris, what do you say we put this plane in reverse (laughs) and start diving in to uh, this story here? Bud, take us back September 4th, 1954. Where the hell are we and what the hell is going on? (laughs) Well, as you had mentioned earlier, we are indeed in West Germany. When the hell was the last time you heard that, huh? (laughs) And in being in September 4th, 1954, we are specifically in Aachen, West Germany. Oh, your hometown. <laughs> Add it to the list, bud. <laughs> <laughs> and the flight we are discussing today, which has 92 passengers, is a Lockheed L049 Constellation. Ooh, what's that? Fuck if I know. <laughs> <laughs> The the Lockheed 
049 Constellation was the first model of the Lockheed Constellation aircraft line. And it entered service as the C-69 military transport aircraft during World War II. And then eventually goes on to become a civilian plane for passengers traveling wherever they might want to go. Okay. Uh, but the airline that the plane actually belongs to is Santiago Airlines. And now it is worth mentioning that the reemergence of this plane... Um, <laughs> <laughs> when the plane initially went missing, uh, the airline itself actually went out of business two years later. Hmm. Uh, so um, <laughs> when you see this thing landing back into the old airport, well, there's no one who the plane belongs to anymore. Yes, uh, basically, <laughs> yeah. uh, we know we're in trouble. Let's just shut it all down and lock the doors. <laughs> Can you imagine the airline going out of business two years later for that one incident happening where the plane disappears? <laughs> And then it reemerges. Yeah. Like, what do you get a back season on that? You just you just start your company back up. So, I mean, right now we're we're on the tarmac, right? We're on the runway. Everything f- seems great. I mean, we're all aboard this Lockheed L049, which seems to have a decent performance history. So, all seems well and good. There does not seem to be much to worry about. You did mention that there were ninety-two people on board. It was actually eighty-eight passengers and four crew members so it seems to me i mean i'm not very familiar with uh aviation protocols or whatnot but that seems to be a small amount of crew members to passengers right i mean yeah if you're talking about i guess two at least obviously the two pilots because there's always two and then i guess you have two stewardesses <laughs> <laughs> Don't buzz the... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Are you saying that a man can't be a stewardess? I, I, listen, we're in 1954. Ring the god... Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> Chris is signing with East Germany. <laughs> so, uh... So. I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> I'm catching the next Lockheed Super Constellation out of here. <laughs> So, all seems well and good, and uh, we should mention that this flight was scheduled to land 18 hours later in the airport of Porto Alegre, Brazil. But as I mentioned in the opening, unfortunately, that flight never arrived, in 1954 at least. So, let's take it from there, Chris. So, Santiago Flight 513 takes off out of Aachen, West Germany, without a hitch. It's flying beautifully over Europe as it heads west over the Atlantic Ocean on its way to Brazil. But unfortunately, once it hit your other hometown, Chris, the Bermuda Triangle, things got a little quiet. And by quiet, I mean dead silent, because that is the last communication that Santiago Flight 513 would have with air traffic control, either in West Germany or Brazil. So, I don't know about you, Chris. I don't like flying in general, but uh, I do it when needed. But I think the last time I flew was probably about 10 years ago when I went down to Austin, Texas. But I have to, as you know, I'm flying overseas for the first time in April, headed to Wales. Chris, have you ever heard of Wales in the United Kingdom? I've heard of 
whales, I guess. <laughs> I'm practicing my accent, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to uh, brace myself already for the flight over the Atlantic because <laughs> I, I know that if a plane is indeed going down, chances of survival are next to nothing. But I specifically have a huge fear of landing in the water and surviving, only to be eaten by sharks mere moments later. <laughs> there is, I would rather fucking drown than be <laughs> eaten by a shark. The brutality of that, man, it's just, it is absolutely terrifying. So, I mean, I, I think there's something to be said about uh, this Bermuda Triangle theory that we'll talk about later. I mean, even though it seems that the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> is kind of, wherever it needs to be in order to throw a little bit of scandal or mystery into a story. I mean, you could draw a triangle from any three points, really. As, as long as Bermuda's one of those points, it's the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> yes, indeed. So here we are, Flight 513, disappearing over the Bermuda Triangle. It's at this point, since communication has been lost, that they have to pretty much assume the worst. The alarms have been sounded. The flight is nowhere to be found. At this point, they're assuming that the plane has plummeted into it, the Atlantic, and they're sending search crews to go out there and look for any kind of debris that they can find. But all the searches went for naught because the plane was never able to be found. And I believe that those searches went on for, God, I think it was over two years is what I read somewhere. So it was quite an extensive search that took place. But nothing, as I said, was ever found. And as you said, Chris, a couple years later, Santiago Airlines went out of business in 1956. And, you know, a story of this magnitude is only going to lead to uh, trouble for any airline, but uh, especially here back in the 1950s. But I was thinking, Chris, maybe we discuss some other documented instances of disappearance that took place within uh, the realm of oh, the Bermuda Triangle. And it's not limited to just planes, as we all know, Chris. <laughs> planes, boats, ships, <laughs> canoes, whatever the hell you got, the Bermuda Triangle is going to take. Uh, maybe we'll just discuss a couple of them, but one that I found very interesting was the disappearance of a Douglas DST airliner, Chris. And this took place on December 28th of 1948. And apparently, this flight was headed from San Juan, Puerto Rico, to Miami. And what happened here, no trace of this aircraft or the 32 people on board was ever found. I mean, you're, you're going a short distance from Puerto Rico to Miami. How could nothing ever be found? I mean, that's what's so mysterious about this Bermuda Triangle because it just seems to me that there are so few answers and far more questions whenever you get involved with a disappearance within the realm of the Bermuda Triangle. Yes, and as you said, no stranger to crazy incidents, especially ones that come up with no answers at all. One of the other disappearances was the USS Cyclops. This resulted in, in the single largest loss of life in the history of the U.S. Navy, which was not related to combat, of course. When the Cyclops, which had a full load of manganese ore, apparently with an engine out of action, had one missing without a trace with a crew of 309. And this was sometime around March 4th of 1918. 
And I mean, this is just one of, of a ton of different cases that involve the Bermuda Triangle. I told you, I've talked to uh, T-Bone, our military expert and rogue field correspondent for uh, the BTC podcast. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. As you may or may not be able to tell, my good people, we are here recording this on the 4th of July, Independence Day here in the United States. So there are some fireworks popping off in the background. And at this point, this is the third or fourth time Chris and I have tried recording this. So we're just going to keep it going regardless, Chris. So <laughs> please just uh, 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 avoid the sound in the back. There's nothing we can do about it at this point. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Now back to uh, T-Bone here. He was telling me that the scariest part <laughs> about being on... Uh, the Atlantic, especially with being in or around the Bermuda Triangle, he says that at night is the scariest because it is so dead silent. He did say oftentimes that you will hear sounds and things in the ocean that sound very unfamiliar. So what the fuck was that? You're not dealing with a whale or sharks or whatnot. And <laughs> I, I'm going to wait till uh, he gets on here so he can uh, expand off of uh, what he was telling me. But he just said there's a very ominous feeling that takes place when you're in or around that entire Bermuda Triangle. So, I mean, that's just something to keep in mind with someone who's actually been out there and, and dealt with this area. So, you know, we may look at it as, oh, the Bermuda Triangle is bullshit, you know, whatnot, but... There's got to be something here, Chris, for all of these instances to take place year after year, decade after decade, Chris. <laughs> it doesn't stop. Can you imagine being in a location where it's notorious for disappearances? And I'm not talking about bullshit things, like things that they literally couldn't tell you what happened because there was no trace of the plane or the ship or anything. And just like, you know, like you could be the next fucking one. I mean... Absolutely. The depths of the ocean are more mysterious to me than anything else on this planet. The ocean is just one big mystery that I have no interest in solving, Chris. I will do my part by staying the hell out of it. <laughs> we have no right to go out there. It's not our territory. No, we don't, Chris, but please, enough about you. Let's get back to Santiago Flight 513. So remember where we left off, because just like Santiago Flight 513, which had reemerged three decades later, we're going to hop back into this goddamn story one way or another, Chris. So we are back to Santiago Flight 513. It had left Aachen, West Germany. It is due to arrive in Puerto Lega. We have no idea where the hell it went. Nobody does. People want answers. And? And they're not going to get it. <laughs> they don't get any. Oh. <laughs> At least not for uh, some time. Yes. And now, uh, fasten your seatbelts, everybody, because this is where our story gets a little wild. Uh, and maybe somewhat unbelievable. Our story was hit with all sorts of dead ends for 35 years. That was until one fateful afternoon on October 12th of 1989. That is when air traffic control at the airport of Puerto Alegre, Brazil, spotted something on their radar. Chris, 
What the hell did air traffic control spot? Well, this unauthorized aircraft, I might add, was circling the airbase. After this plane had made many circles around the airbase, it made, and I mean, when I say perfect, I mean this thing was spot on. <laughs> and uh, it looked very well maintained. It had looked as if it was a brand new aircraft, except it was a little bit old. She was about 35 years old, actually. <laughs> Indeed. And not only that, uh, upon an investigation, as they drew closer to the aircraft itself, they realized, bud, that, hold on to your hats here, the aircraft that landed was San Diego Flight 513. You heard me correctly, Chris. The plane that took off on September 4th of 1954 from West Germany arrived at its destination in Brazil with the plane intact, but 35 years later. Well, there's uh, <laughs> certainly some questions that are going to be asked here. <laughs> Indeed, there <laughs> were, and uh, as they were attempting to communicate with the crew inside, they realized that they weren't getting much if any, response. As you can imagine, tensions begin to grow now that they realize that this flight was indeed the flight that was missing from 35 years ago. They are heading towards this plane with as much caution as you can possibly have. I would imagine that whoever is approaching this situation is under the assumption that this plane must have been hijacked at some point. Yeah, I mean, you have to be thinking even terrorism that's i mean who, who knows especially an unidentified aircraft circling an airbase granted they didn't find out what the hell the aircraft was until it landed but you have to be thinking yeah i mean who the hell knows this thing could just crash into something you just really have to be extremely cautious when uh, entering this aircraft and chris they were and it's at that point bud uh, they entered the aircraft guns ablazing but they didn't need them did they Chris, who was on board Santiago Flight 513? Well... I say Chris! <laughs> who was on board Santiago Flight 513? Well, it would appear that Santiago Flight 513 had some skeletons in the closet. <laughs> oh, no, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. Now my hand's on the trigger, brother. Well, <laughs> I know what you're getting at, but our listeners don't. <laughs> they're going to be just as insulted as I am once they find out. Bud, what are you trying to say? Who the hell was on flight fucking 513? Well, I will tell you this. All 92 passengers, 88 passengers and four crew members, the entire airplane that had left in 1954, everyone was still on that plane when it landed in 1989. What are you trying to say? <laughs> However, they were just skeletons. There was absolutely nothing to them. There was 92 skeletons on board. And not only were they just on board, they were fastened to their seats. And the crew members, including the co-pilots, were still strapped and at the controls. I've looked into this and... It's hard to find any 
verifiable information because we come to find out that Brazil's government, they refuse to release any of their findings. They've been very hush-hush about this case. And it seems that even the aircraft itself, that Lockheed Constellation, has been hidden away in a secret location, has not been seen nor heard from since. So, I'm, I'm leading into the next part of our case here, Chris. I mean, is this real? Or is this nothing more than an elaborate hoax? Because we do have some theories here as to how and or why something like this could happen. And the first, as you can imagine, being that of wormholes and or time portals, time warps, things of that nature, parallel universes. And that very well could be the case. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's as good as any other explanation. But from what I'm reading here, a parallel world consists of antimatter that can absorb people, masses, or even light and time. And essentially, people can reach this other world, this parallel universe, within seconds. And, I mean, that kind of ties into what we've talked about earlier in regards to the Bermuda Triangle, because that is listed as one of the most optimal places to encounter, either it be a wormhole or a time portal, whatever the case may be. But, I mean, as I said, that's nothing more than speculation, and those are some of the explanations, and <laughs> damned if I know one way or another, Chris. <laughs> when it comes to anything involving parallel universe and stuff, not, not that I don't entirely not believe them, I, I can't say that, that they're true or not, but anything with time and space causes your mind to explode. I love diving into stories of time slips and parallel universes, but <laughs> it's just beyond my understanding. So, like, I can only talk about it in, in very vague terms. Now, bud, here's the big issue with this case. It seems that the story was initially broken by your favorite periodical, Chris, Weekly World News. The Weekly World News is uh, somewhat of a tabloid, Chris. It's filled with mostly fictional stories. It basically focuses on stories involving the supernatural and or the paranormal. So, Chris, with that little nugget of information in your back pocket, does the Weekly World News being involved with this uh, take away from the story itself? Does it sway you in one direction or another? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, a tabloid that is known for its fictional stories. Probably worth mentioning that four years before this one, there was another story that Weekly World News released about a Pan Am Flight 914. It went missing for 37 years. Oh, no, and no. guess what this one did? Mm. It reappeared and landed unscathed. <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> so you're telling me that the Weekly World News had already published another story eerily, and I mean eerily similar to the one that we just spoke of tonight. Uh, you could say identical. Even, even the time it went missing was almost exactly the same. <laughs> yes, indeed, Chris. Indeed it was. So, Chris, I'm going to ask you now, bud, to take a seat, buckle your seatbelts, because we're going to come in for a landing here very shortly. But before we do, I want to know, after reviewing all the information that we spoke of tonight, 
What says you? Do you believe that there's any truth to the claims that Santiago Flight 513 landed 35 years after takeoff? 115% bullshit. Oh, holy shit. I did not see that coming, Chris. <laughs> In fact, out of all the cases we've done, this is probably the most bullshit. How about that? How does that tobacco taste in your pipe? <laughs> Thanks for asking me what I think, Chris. I'm going to get into that right now. Um, <laughs> although I, I truly do want to believe that this could possibly be real. I think we all know that this story is completely fabricated and it's nothing but a bait click type story or back then whenever this was released uh, a, a page turner I guess is what you would call it back then uh, it was a way to get people interested in uh, a story and get people to buy the newspaper or the magazine but uh, nonetheless it, it brings up that question of wormholes time portals parallel universes and i absolutely love that stuff and i do think that that stuff in one form or another does indeed have to exist so look at me getting political chris i'm, I'm gearing up for a run for some bullshit office in november um so i'm gonna say it even though i think this particular story is bullshit i'm leaving <laughs> the wormhole open excuse me and you're leaving your wormhole open Let's not go there. To the the fact that this could indeed be possible. The story itself is bullshit, but the possibility of this actually happening in reality, I'm going to leave the wormhole open, Chris. I'm going to say, yes, it could be possible. As for Santiago Flight 513 (laughs) and uh, Captain Bones there, I think that's all bullshit. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any way that you could not think it's bullshit. Because... We have to remember that Weekly World News is the only one that reported this happening. (laughs) Nobody else. (laughs) Yes, uh, unfortunately, we did find out out after we picked out uh, this case to do that. Nothing more than a report in Weekly World News. But uh, probably tell by my tone, I'm getting more and more agitated with the fireworks as uh, time rolls on. So uh, what do you say we wrap it up and call it a night, Chris? Hell fucking yes. <laughs> so uh, with all that said, let's give the rundown and get the hell out of here for the night. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com or you can get in touch with us on Instagram, Between the Cracks, Facebook, Between the Cracks, anywhere between the goddamn cracks you can find us. If you'd love to become one of our lovely patrons, please do so by clicking on the link in the show notes. Without any further ado... Chris, and I hope when we come back next week, there'll be no more fucking fireworks keeping it together. (sighs) What do you say we wish to find, find people out in podcast land? The fondest. Oh, a farewell. (laughs) No. Woo! Good fucking luck. Oh, God, man. I must be dedicated to this piece of shit. I, I really hope that's useful.